Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, hour number two on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and pleased to be joined now by founder and managing editor of SpotTrack.com. It is one Mike Janitti joining us on the line here. Mike, good to have you. It's uh, off-season time, time for the NFL clubs to balance the books, and the Bills have some work to do in order to do that. We got some hints about that from Brandon Bean himself in his season wrap-up press conference, but maybe first map out how tall a task might this be in light of the contracts they have on the books and now the holes they have on the roster with 22 unrestricted free agents. Yeah, right. There's a, there's a lot of elements to factor in here. Look at the, any team in contention is going to have financial issues starting off the offseason. It's just sort of the way this works right now. So, you know, to be, you know, minus 20 or close around to that point with a 224 league salary cap right now, it's not the most daunting task we've seen. We've seen teams in the hundreds at this stage of the game. So, uh, like a couple of sizable restructures, especially to your quarterback and you're right back at cap neutral here. Um, so I'm, I'm not, overly concerned with where the bills stand right now, but you said it at the end there, there's a, there's a lot of mouths to feed hitting the open market on March 15th that, uh, you know, three or four are going to gain sizable contracts somewhere, whether it's Buffalo or somewhere else. So uh, it's, it's less about getting yourselves healthy right now and more about how do you retain and, or, you know, replace some of these mouths that have to hit the open market. And see if you can help us. Remember, we've been having this conversation, how far off, are the bills from where they were exactly in this spot a year ago? It doesn't seem like it was that far much different than last year. Yeah, you got it right. They were really aggressive two off seasons ago and extending four or five of their own players. And generally the second year of those extensions is where the cap uh, bubbles up. So they took four or five restructures last off season. Uh, I know that's not, that's not something Brandon Bean loves to do on, on a regular basis. And that's just good business to be honest. He's going to have to do it again with a couple more this year. And uh, it's not going to be, you know, half the roster getting restructured like we see the Saints and Rams and Eagles do on an annual basis. But uh, you got to take your medicine just to stay in contention here. And uh, he'll, he'll do what he has to do to get them ready here. So on your SpotTrack.com site, I use the cap management tool for the Bills. And I was pretty liberal in my restructuring. Uh, to your point, I restructured Josh, Diggs, Taron Johnson, Tredavious White, Matt Milano, Ryan Bates, and Saran Neal. I got super aggressive. That saved $40 million and put yeah. Buffalo almost $19 million under. But that's probably not enough cap space for all that they need to do this offseason. How extensive are they going to have to be? Or is it going to have to be a combination of maybe three or four restructures and then some outright roster cuts? 
Yeah, I, I'd go with the latter right now, Chris. Uh, there's definitely a big old uh, roster bonus for Von Miller that's going to get restructured as well, which saves over $10 million this year. So just Josh and Von Miller alone opens up almost 30 on by themselves. Okay. Uh, and, and some of the names you mentioned will factor in there as well. But th- there's going to be some pain. Uh, you know, every team goes through it. I think there's a couple of starters here that might fall off this roster. You know, I hate to say it, but I think Mitch Morris is in this conversation with his uh, his injury history, his cap situation. He can save over six million if they if he falls off the roster. I think a player like Tim Settle is in this conversation right now, just because of the uh, the savings he can offer in a surplus situation. But uh, you know, nothing I think too crazy right now. I don't think we're going to go too buck wild with roster bubbles on this roster, just because for seventy five percent of the season, this was the best roster in football. And where do you think that for, where where does it start, and, and how what's the timetable for these deals starting to get done? I mean, free agency, still it's a little bit on the horizon, you know. But when do these start, and how soon? You know, what's the time frame? Well, they, they can start immediately. Obviously, the Bills are in full off season mode right now. Uh, the actual free agency doesn't start till March fifteenth. The franchise tag window opens uh, February twenty first. I think there's there's at least a conversation to be had there with, with maybe a transition tag for Tremaine Edmonds. Um, so there's something to talk about in that regard. But the teams are going to start restructuring players uh, at will really, you know, right now going forward. It's that time of year for a lot of the teams in the offseason. You mentioned Edmonds, Mike, and he plays a position that is not seen by too many organizations as a quote-unquote premium position, like pass rusher, quarterback, wide receiver, left tackle, corner. You have his market value at $11 million, if I'm not mistaken, on your site. Why do you believe his market value is half of what Roquan Smith got from Baltimore at $20 million per year, or even other linebackers like Shaq Leonard in Indy or Fred Warner in San Fran, who are making nineteen seven and nineteen a year? Well, there's two conversations, Chris. Number one, that $11 million is the mathematical value. right? That's just what our algorithm says. Okay. Um, the, the the Mike Gennetti value for Tremaine Edmonds is probably closer to sixteen seventeen million just because there are there are half a dozen players now that live up there and quite frankly he's gotten better every year with culminating yeah. in his best season in twenty twenty two so we do a three year mathematical valuation of these players and, and for a year and a half there uh, he really struggled in a lot of the areas that we cover from a, from an algorithm standpoint uh, I don't think he's a top of the market player I, I think he's he's projecting in that direction there's no question about it. But for this roster, can can Brandon Bean go north of 15 million per year on this player? Probably not. It's as you mentioned, it's a it's a non-dominant financial position right now across the league. Even though there are six players in the 16 million plus range, uh, I think Buffalo probably has bigger fish to fry. Uh, but he is absolutely of value, and they're going to at least attempt a multi-year extension. There's no question about it. What about the rest of the roster with Tremaine Edmonds and you know Jordan Poyer? Seems at his uh, at his point this point of his career. It seems a foregone conclusion that he may not be back. What other players, like like an Ed Oliver going into the last year of his career, making, you know. Contract. Last year of his contract. Uh, give us your, your thoughts about those two players, Poyer and Ed. Sure, I'll start with Poyer. Uh, obviously, the value there is insurmountable. Uh, whether whether he missed time or was on the field, you could just you could just smell it in the air. He's probably an $11, $12 million player right now, even at his age. I, I think there's a team out there, or maybe three, that would value him at that kind of price. The safety market's almost $20 million itself right now. So uh, that's a booming market on, on its head. Uh, Buffalo's probably not going that route. I, I think we're in a situation where both Poyer right now and Hyde next year fall off this roster. Uh, so it's a, it's probably the biggest priority for this Bills team right now this offseason, both through free agency and through the draft. 
and uh, it's a growing market. So Poyer itself probably falls off if it gets over $10 million a year somewhere else. And then uh, Ed Oliver, that's a sticky situation. That's a player that they wanted to see a lot more from last year. He was probably going to be their top extension candidate right now this offseason, and I, don't, I just don't see it that way. The fifth-year option is about $10.5 million right now. He probably plays that out, and then we're back here next year talking about an extension for him. Speaking of Ed, you know, at 10.7, do you think he's a viable trade commodity, commodity at all playing on a last-year, fifth-year option? You know, we don't see it too much, Chris. We don't see yeah. a lot of teams move off on this fifth year. Uh, what we have started to see is teams restructure that fifth-year option and turn it into a five-year contract, essentially, with four void years. It's possible Brandon Bean goes that route, and then he can simply just use those void years into the uh, into the multi-year extension at some point. Uh, I don't I, Like I said, it's a sticky situation right now because he's a player you want to have for three, four more years. I just don't know that he's put the production up there. So trade candidate maybe, restructure candidate maybe even more likely, but maybe the most likely scenario is that he just plays out that 10-7 and we see where we are. Hmm. And as we get to, you know, the – start a free agency and the transit is there any players that are going to be transitioned or what can maybe players around the league are primary targets for transition or franchise tags yeah the Bengals are are, are the place to start i think that jesse bates situation is interesting that's a safety that has, has has shown a ton of value for that roster over the past couple of seasons he played on the franchise tag last year obviously the you know the breadwinner with this tag situation is lamar jackson who's going to get the exclusive franchise tag in Baltimore, which right now costs over $45 million. Um, you know, Dallas's situation is unique. They've got Tony Pollard and Dalton Schultz, both weapons. I think they'd like to keep Pollard probably gets that tag right now with his injury situation. I think the one-year tender makes a lot of sense. And uh, Josh Jacobs probably gets the same kind of treatment in, in Las Vegas for the a $10 million running back for one year. And then the Giants probably are the uh, the second most interesting tag situation because of quarterback and running back, right? Daniel Jones at about $32 million could get tagged or Saquon with that $10 million running back franchise tag. So they, I think they want to keep both those players. One of them likely gets a tag to start this offseason. Yeah. Wide receiver two figures to be a priority this offseason for the yeah. Bills. They're in win-now mode, as you know. But knowing how much receiver salaries are on the open market – is that a scenario where they try to get a proven commodity via trade, or are they just going to rely on the draft? I, I would be inclined to say draft and trade. I'm with you. Let's do it all. You know, <laughs> the, the Stefan Diggs situation was so successful, and it's, and to be frank, and I, and I haven't done my homework, you know, super well yet on this draft stuff, but it doesn't sound like it's the greatest yeah. wide receiver draft. But you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like there's not a lot of first rounders, so there may be a really good healthy set of second and third round picks wide receiver rise that you could snag yeah. that could slot into that number two, number three position for us immediately. Um, I, I do think there's going to be some names out there via trade. And the big one that I'm starting to hear more and more, and especially now with today's news is Mike Evans and Mike Evans is not a wide receiver two, but he's a wide receiver one a, and he's on an expiring contract and Tampa Bay needs to shed cap left and right. They are in the second worst situation from a cap standpoint right now. Uh, that's a name, that's a name I think could get rejuvenated on this trade market. Certainly Brandon cooks is going to be back on this trade market. And there's a couple other names, maybe Robert Woods, our old friend, uh, in Tennessee has a chance to fall off that roster, but, uh, you know, it won't be a, a frivolous wide receiver market from free agency or the trade standpoint, but, uh, I think any channel possible right now has to make sense. Yeah. For I mean, I was, right. I was, the only reason I was thinking trade is because you can control the cost a little bit better via trade 
than you can in free agency where you're almost certainly going to overpay. You have to give up something to get that cost control, but with, with where the bills are, I would tend to think that's going to be something that Bean's going to have to explore. And that's why I, I think they were rumored to be in on a player like Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey has a trade, trade asset as a $12 million running back, not a $16 million running back, right? Because the, the Carolina Panthers paid out the majority of his, yeah. his contract up front. So that's, that's the benefit you get when you get a player in the second or third year of their contract is, is most of the chunk cash has already been paid out, yeah. So you're talking about a guy like, say, like a Mike Evans from Tampa Bay. He's got a $13 million cap hit. Um, and what's the, what about the restructure bonus, which was you know nine point one? How does all that work? And what would his cap hit be to the Bills if the Bills traded at you know a two for him or whatever? Um, yeah, what's that look like cap wise? Yeah, so only the thirteen plus the roster bonus. So four, one year fourteen point five million comes to Buffalo or comes to the traded team. The rest would stay with Tampa Bay, and uh, and then you take that fourteen and a half million, you either turn it into a brand new contract or you restructure it for this year and make it a friendly one year deal with some void years. So. Uh, it's a it's a pretty friendly situation for a player that I think just wants to reset his market, and I think a change of scenery change of scenery might really benefit him as well. I know in your analysis of the Bills on SpotTrack.com, you were targeting Tar- Tyler Bass for a contract extension. How much cap space do you think that could help create if you did that? Minimal. It might be a situation where you stay cap neutral on that. You just want to lock him in for three, yeah. four more years. We're seeing. We're seeing some pretty aggressive kicker contracts lately. When you've got a good one, teams are really locking in players four or five years at almost, you know, the, the threshold is now $6 million for Justin Tucker. So, uh, you know, you're going to live in the $4.5, 5000000 million range for, a, for an above-average kicker in this league right now. But it's an expiring contract. He got a little boost with this proven performance bonus. So uh, you could stand to shed maybe half a million dollars right now in cap space. But uh, I just think it's about keeping that player long-term here. Yeah. Yeah. Is there are there any trends to contracts that are new? That's a great question. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing more and more teams, Steve, really start to use this cap bubble to their advantage. Uh, this was an NBA thing a couple of years back where the, where the cap boosted and the teams that were ready for it and the teams that were that, that actually took advantage of it from a timing perspective said, all right. Not, let's not just buy players right now because of what because of this cap situation. Let's front load them and let's bring them in and let's make sure that the majority of the cash is pushed into the first two three seasons of these big deals, because a the player is going to be happy, the agent is going to be really happy, and, and then in year three and year four, we can have some real value with this. And for a team like Buffalo who's looking to keep this window open as long as possible with Josh Allen, wait four more seasons of guaranteed money on Josh Allen's contract, you know it's it's less about going year to year. If you've got a player that you know can be here for three, four years, let's bring him in on a multi-year contract. And instead of having all this fluff built into the contracts that, you know, the eighties and the nineties had, let's be really aggressive with front loaded deals. The 49ers did this to their advantage a couple of years back. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers have always done this to their advantage. I'd love to see a team like Buffalo start to do that and really start to pump more money into the first couple of seasons and then if they have to do some restructures, obviously Brandon Bean will do so. Is that what they did with Von Miller's contracts, like a six-year deal, uh, but after three years it changes drastically? Yeah, and in that case, right, it's about, you know, at one point in time does does he just fall off the cliff, and that's just uh, the fact of life at his age. So you had to kind of rush that in. But but to be honest, right, they're competing with six other teams, four of which were probably top contenders like Buffalo. So structure can actually win you out a contract in certain cases, and I think with this cap jump – not that the Bills are sitting here with $60 million to work with, but, you know, the one or two players that they addressed this offseason, you know, safety, weapon, whatever we talk about here, 
that's an advantage some of these teams can make to say, look, at, we're going to push a first-year roster bonus where other teams are going to say, well, let's just spread out a signing bonus and then live with it from here out. Okay. So you have a team like Cincinnati, you know, looking at the AFC top tier of teams. Cincinnati's got about $44 million in cap space. How much is Joe Burrow going to gobble up of that? I mean, you can structure it any way you want, I suppose, Mike. But realistically, how much of that does Joe Burrow gobble up and how freewheeling will they be able to be if we're trying to account for the Burrow extension? Yeah, this is new territory for Cincy. Not that they haven't handed out big contracts before, right? They took care of Dalton and made him one of the higher average paid quarterbacks in football back in the day, and they've done that with a couple of defensive players. But that's a team that loves to go year by year with their guarantees. It's called rolling guarantees. That's just their... That's how they operate and do business. Well, that's that's obviously not going to fly with Joe Burrow's situation. He's going to have to have, uh, you know, upwards of $200 million in practical guarantees, and that's going to have to all be paid out over the next four seasons. So, uh, you know, you want to call it a $50 million per year contract. You want to talk about $200 million guaranteed. Those are all the, the talking points with the Joe Burrows, the Jalen Hurts, the Justin Herberts, the Lamar Jacksons of the world right now. Um, and, and Cincinnati is in one of those situations. Yes, they have to pay T Higgins and Jamar Chase over the next couple of off seasons, but they do have a lot of real good value on the offensive line, on that defensive line. I think they're, a lot of their contracts are about fair market value. You know, you know, there's not a lot of overpay there. So you can probably take advantage of that with Joe Burrow's contract and push some of this cash into the next couple of years and, and then structure it more like a baseball contract and say, look, we're going to keep you kind of around the $25 million mark here for a couple of seasons. And then we'll go into the forties and maybe even into the fifties down the road, something Patrick Mahomes did with Kansas city. And we've seen how successful that's been. All right. So the cap got set this week or just yesterday at 24.8 million. It's up from 208.2 million, 0.2 million. And of course in 21 is the first year in history where the cap went down from 198.2 to 182.5 because of the pandemic. Where's it going to go next? Yeah, I think we're on a pretty good path here. The TV money hasn't really even really kicked in yet. We've seen all these ratings announcements of just how good the playoffs have been. Uh, you know, all the merchandise and everything's way up. So the, the league is as healthy as it's ever been. The only reason it's not going to go up 25, 30 million over the next couple of seasons in, in any one season is because they still got to pay back some of that COVID stuff. Right. There's uh, there's payments to the NFLPA. There's some loans that were taken out just for safety precautions um, that have to get paid back. And, th- and that'll drop some of the overall revenue profits. But I, I expect a, an 8% jump again next year, guys. I think we're going to push close to 240 next year. Uh, and then after 2024, when things should be back to neutral from those loan payments, who knows if the ratings and the revenue stays like this, you know, we're going to be approaching the two sixties and the two seventies before we know it. I got to come back Mike to burrow for one more second here. Cause you were talking like 25 million a year to try to cost control him kind of like the chiefs did with Mahomes. How realistic do you think that is when you have a guy like Kyler Murray who hasn't won a playoff game is getting <laughs> 46.1 average annual value is I can't see Burroughs people stomaching that. that. That makes the agent look bad, and that's just as important as making the, the quarterback happy. I mean, I guess, you know, the guy works for Burrow ultimately, and maybe he is a team guy and does that. But, man, I got a hard time seeing that flying when a guy who hasn't won a playoff game in Arizona is making 46 a year. Yeah, there are certain contracts in, in all of these sports that we follow that are called poison contracts, right? And certainly the, the Deshaun Watson one right now is, is a poison contract for a lot of these players looking out there for what they want next. And, and that Kyler contract is maybe even worse 
because there's not really a track record with him from a production standpoint to, to back up what he got. It's not even the 46, 48 million a year guys. It's, it's, that's a five-year guarantee. I mean, he's going to get 190 million out of that contract from somebody at some point in time. It's, it's an extremely stable contract for Kyler Murray. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying Joe Burrow's not going to get there and with this contract. He, he will, it'll have all the structure and the stability that he wants. He's going to get the 200 million plus guaranteed to surpass a player like Kyle Murray. Uh, all I'm saying is the structure of the cash flow, I think can really help the ownership out here because it's not really about the cap in this regard, right? They can, they can restructure Joe Burrow every year for the next six years, if they have to, to make sure the roster stays intact. Um, and some owners will do that, or some GMs will do that, but cash flow is a big part of this. Yeah. So the second that Joe Burrow signs, whatever's fully guaranteed at signing has to go in escrow. Right. I mean, that that old adage still exists. So you know, the ownership in Cincinnati we're gonna, are going to have to be willing to throw hundreds of millions of dollars in, in, in into an account that they never get back. It's going to go to him eventually, but they can't use it at this point. But in Mahomes' situation, a $450 million contract only had $63 million guaranteed at signing on the books because of the way the cash flow was structured. And then there's two-year vesting guarantees from there, that point on. So he's going to get all his cash, but he actually helped ownership and the GM out quite a bit with the way those first three years were structured. Uh, I think it's a really good plan for a situation like Burrow and Cincinnati that have to give, you know, Jamar Chase 100 million plus, probably have to give T. Higgins 80 to 100 million over the next 18 months as well. Man. Yeah. Be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm really kind of intrigued to see how they do that because I'm hoping they do it the traditional way so they can't spend money on the other guys <laughs> and keep that team together selfishly. <laughs> I'm just saying. How much? And let me ask you this, Mike. It makes a lot of sense uh, because the players are going to get it no matter what, and they're only they're in their mid twenties, and certainly there's some impatience to get nine digits into their bank account. But still, they got to be. Some of these players are going to be really willing to say, "Yeah, okay, let's do that. I'll wait yeah. an extra four years before I get and you know sixty million into my account. And I'll just take the forty million up. You know what I mean?" So the that's players, exactly right. they get, they got to get zero pushback from the players. And and that's the thing. And, and Burrow just seems like that dude. And he's kind of talked, he's kind of spoken out a lot about stuff like this, right? Team first, that kind of, uh, and I'm certainly not going to put words in his mouth, but he understands what's going on here. You, you know, he's a smart enough uh, human being. He probably dealt with a lot of this at LSU. Let's be perfectly honest, right? Yeah. There were a lot of miles to feed. There it was a huge roster, a ton of superstars and, and uh, and everybody had to get a piece of the pie. So if he wants to keep that kind of situation going in Cincinnati with superstars around him, this is one of the ways he can do that. He still gets his money at the end of the game, but for the you know for the for the heart of this contention window in Cincinnati, which you know that's that's a rare thing, he might have to play a little ball over the next couple of yeah. seasons. Mike, thanks as always for the insight uh, and the expertise. We appreciate it. We'll uh, catch up with you later this off season. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. All right. That's Mike Janitti, founder and managing editor of SpotTrack.com. It's a great resource if you want to kind of juggle the numbers, move them around, and he's got that cap management tool so you can mess around on your own. You pull up the Bills roster and say, oh, yeah, let me uh, let me restructure this guy. How much do we save there? Bang. Huh? Let's restructure this guy. How much do we? I was playing around with it today. Yeah. And it really kind of effectively paints the picture for you in terms of what Brandon Bean is quite literally right. up against. They can, um, with Vaughn and Josh, you can do a lot. You can do a lot with those to get down. They could, you know, they could get close to, if not under the cap, the way it stands now, just those two guys. Obviously, they want to get as far under as they can possibly get, but 
yeah, they're going to have to they'll have to get some people to play ball. And and the way he said, you know, there's some of these guys that are, you know are near and dear to us that um, probably are not going to be around. Yeah. Poyer among them. And yeah, right. the more and more we're talking about it today, the more and more I'm realizing safety is a real need position here going yeah, forward, have... especially knowing Hyde at age 32 will be entering the last year of his contract in 2023. You've got to get somebody in the pipeline there. I mean, yeah, you're going to transition Benford. That's great. But you've got to get somebody here in the pipeline to hold the fort down after DeMar... 2023. It's like one of those you got to think a year ahead type situations. Think about it. you got DeMar, yeah. probably not, maybe not. Unquest- unquestionably Com- completely a up mark. in the air right Poyer and Hyde and who's Hyde's, left Hyde's back but De- for one temporarily year. Jaquan Johnson is in there he's a free agent he's not <laughs> so they got zero they got yeah they got Christian Benford and Benford's a hard maybe like nice right. young player but how's he in transition to playing in the middle of the field we don't know so yeah it's it's definitely a need position and I just don't know that you that you pay 12 million to get Poyer back here for a year or maybe two. Maybe you do, but it just, I don't know. I don't know if you can afford to do no, that. Yeah, because certainly. It's like its like safety's become the offensive line with Poyer, with uh, Incognito and Wood. It's like you're running into that situation right, again. Right, where you walk into a season thinking you're set, and all of a sudden you're not set. Yeah. Uh, the thing about it, too, is what Mike Gennetti said, and you can't feel bad for Jordan about this, his value is at an all-time high. Yeah. There are teams out there standing in line for Jordan Poyer, even at his age. Which is only going to drive his price up all the more, which right. is going to make it harder to bring him back. So yeah, really, so I think it's going to be tough. It would. The only way Jordan Poyer comes back is if he's sitting there telling his agency, I'm not leaving. Yeah. And, I, and he's not going to do that. He's, I, I don't think. I wouldn't if I was him. And I, you know, I've lived. He here. already did right. <laughs> I've been in town thirty-five years, and I wouldn't tell my. He agent already that. did right by the team, exactly. with what he did this year. Exactly. He wanted more money this year. The Bills couldn't do it, and he still strapped it up and played and, injured and played very all year. well. So yeah, I, he's not going to do that, and I wouldn't expect him to. And and bless his heart, I hope the guy becomes an NFL owner someday. He gets so rich, so yeah. you know that good for him break time for us here when we come back more of your phone calls on what you deem to be the top two priorities for this roster in the offseason we're back in a moment here on one bills live you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 